The Colorado Equals Security Podcast is your local source for regional security news, local events, and interviews with key individuals in the region. Now, here are your hosts, Rob Reck and Alex Wood. Welcome to Colorado Equals Security. This is the newscast for episode 205 for the week of April 5th. you may notice that this is Alex introducing the podcast this week instead of Rob, so that means that Rob is on vacation. Uh, so I have a guest co-host this week, Jay Wilson. Welcome, Jay. Thank you. Uh, nice Jay, to be here. Yeah, glad to have you. It's a beautiful day out. We're, we're outside. This is, this is going to be fun. Yeah. Um, I guess, real quick, Jay, for, for people that don't know you, who are you, Jay? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I am the CISO at HealthGrades. Um, I've also you know, had the pleasure of knowing Alex and Rob for the last few years and um, actually did an interview for C equals S, uh, I think about a year yeah, and a half ago or like so. Something like that. Yeah, you've been on the show um, before. Yeah. So not not newbie to the show. And, um, you know, I, I think uh, C equals S is probably one of the strongest communities out there. Uh, so really proud to be a part of it today. Awesome. Well, we're happy to have you. Um, one of the other things that uh, that we've been doing together is the uh, the March Madness fantasy bracket through Colorado Equal Security, and both of us have been kicking ass. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, we're, we're what are we? We're shooting for who's the biggest loser, right? Yeah, a, I mean, a, it's very possible that it will be me. We'll we'll have to see. But um, I mean, you almost won that title for fantasy football last season. Why? why we we don't need to go like you know <laughs> pointing fingers or anything here, Jay. Um, but yeah, I, apparently my my fantasy skills are, are not where they need to be. Um, I am from Ohio, and I'm a Buckeyes fan, so I picked Ohio State to win the whole thing. I think if you've been paying any attention, they lost in the first round, so that's bad for anybody's bracket. Um, and I know you know you you're do, we're doing at least a little bit better than me, Jay, but maybe not. Uh, yeah, I mean, I just so Christmas tree the entire bracket. Um, at one point, I was fourth place. Yeah. I am no longer fourth place. Yeah. Um, so I, I think that's fair. Yeah, totally fair. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, let's jump into the news. But before we do that, we've got a couple of announcements. Uh, first, we have a Slack channel. For those of you that aren't on there, you should be there. If you want to go to the website, colorado-security.com, there's a link to get on the, the Slack channel from there. We've got almost 1,800 people in that Slack workspace, which mm-hmm. is pretty incredible. Uh, we also have a mailing list. Uh, you can also find a link to that on the website. Fill out your email in there, and you will get one email from us every week letting you know the show notes from the podcast. Uh, we'd also love it if you would rate the podcast and subscribe. That way you get it delivered to you automatically every week, and you let everyone know how great the podcast is. You could also tell a friend about uh, how great Colorado Equals Security is and you know what, uh, what great things were going on here and, and get them to come and join us. And finally, if you want to support us financially, we have a Patreon campaign going on. Uh, so you can, again, find information there at colorado-security.com. Um, we would love it if you signed up and supported us financially. It helps us cover the costs of everything that we do for Colorado Equal Security. All right, with that, let's jump into the news. Uh, first, uh, we've got a, an April Fool's story here, uh, Jay, but um, it's about Whataburger. You know, there's been all of this in and out fervor in Colorado, but now um, they're it's a story that maybe there's going to be a Whataburger in Colorado Springs. What do you think about that? Does that mean I can wait in line for three hours to get a Whataburger, too? Um, maybe even longer. Maybe even longer. Wow, that sounds amazing. Yeah, so um, the story you know, was talking about how Whataburger was coming all of these different places. And then someone in the comments said, well, but you're actually coming to Colorado Springs, which people apparently didn't know. And I guess that that part is actually true. Um, I know that there are some people that that really like Whataburger. I've had a Whataburger. I think they're pretty good. Um, but also like In-N-Out, I mean, it, it's a fast food hamburger. I mean, if I were on the moon, like <laughs> the article was talking about, I think I'd be really excited about it. I'm not so sure I want to wait three hours uh, for a Whataburger here. But. Yeah, I mean, if you were, uh, whenever the, the moon base gets set up, yeah, and like you heard the news that they were going to bring a Whataburger to the moon, yeah, that would be big. Yeah, that, um, that would be good. But, I mean, you know, I, I could go get uh, In-N-Out. I could go get um, Five Guys. I could go get, you know, whatever I want around here. I could and make so, a burger myself. You could make a burger. You know, it's nice out. You could just grill one up. Make a burger. 
Hey. Makeup. That's a good name for my own grill. Yeah. I don't know. You could uh, invite people over for a makeover at your yeah, house. exactly. Yeah, I think that's good. Uh, I mean, right. you know, I know it's not quite Colorado news, but on the April Fool's side, I just have to mention the whole Volkswagen thing. Um, you know, there was a little bit of Colorado connection here. A couple weeks ago, uh, there was a Colorado school district in, uh, what, was the, what was the county there, Alex? Um, I don't remember. It was in the mountains somewhere. Yeah, I think, some, I think somewhere up in the mountains. And Volkswagen, or Volkswagen, yeah. They supplied this school, uh, the school county, with an electric school bus, actually. That is pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah, uh, so... Uh, so I think that deserves the SEC investigation for sure. I, you know, what do you think? For, for those that don't know, that there was a, an April Fool's joke where Volkswagen said that they were changing their name to Volkswagen because they're, you know, going to start putting out all these electric cars. Um, and apparently there's going to be an SEC investigation that, that may come from that. Um, and so, I, I mean, I think they could lighten up just a little bit, but, uh, yeah, you know. Take a joke. Come on. Take, take a joke. You'll make be a burger. Okay. <laughs> make a burger. You know, if, if Whataburger can make a joke and there's no consequences, right. you know, why can't Volkswagen too? Exactly. All right. Uh, next story. Next story. Frontier Airlines, America's favorite airline. <laughs> Uh, Most comfortable seats of, <laughs> of all airlines. <laughs> they have finally landed an IPO. Um, I think they decided that COVID was the exact time that they wanted to, you know, go public. Um, they've been working on it for a while, as you said, Alex, since 2017. Um, not to actually sure what took so long. Um, so obviously they weren't trying to go for it in the middle of the pandemic, but uh, they landed their IPO, right? Yeah. So, I mean, I guess congrats to them um, for, for finally getting to that, that IPO. But yeah, I think that they started this process um, originally in 2017, that was when they first registered with the SEC, right? Because that's the first thing you're gonna do when you're gonna do an IPO. Um, but then nothing really materialized from it. And then um, I think that they were they were getting close last year and then obviously the pandemic hit and you know that would be a horrible time to do it during the pandemic when you don't have anybody flying. Um, but I guess now now that we're coming out of the pandemic, um, either they were they didn't have any money left at all and they needed to do an IPO to raise some money, um, or they figured now as they're getting ready to ramp back up was a good time. But, uh, yeah. you know. Maybe they made the seats more comfortable. Uh, they, they've had a year to do it, so yep. anything is possible. Um, I know personally I'm, I'm not a big fan, as I we, we were alluding here, just because, uh, you know, it's just not very comfortable to fly on Frontier it's, Airlines. But It's an experience. But, hey, they are uh, Colorado's only airline, only Colorado-based airline, so, you know, congrats to them. Yep. Colorado proud. That's right. Uh, next, speaking of travel, uh, there was an article in uh, Travel and Leisure about the best places to travel in 2021. And there were actually two places in Colorado that made it on the list. Jay, one of them I know is near and dear to you. One of them is my house, apparently. <laughs> uh, it is the neighborhood. And make a burger. Come to make a make burger in Lohi. Yes. Uh, number 13, lucky 13 on the list from Travel and Leisure is Lower Highlands. Uh, I, I mean, I love my neighborhood, don't get me wrong. I'm excited to live in Lohi. Um, not sure exactly why it is on the list. Top 50 places to travel. I, I mean, um, but, there, there is a lot of great stuff in Lohi. Yeah. But there are also a lot of great things that are in other places around Colorado, uh, and I, Denver, things like that. So I tend to agree. I, I, I mean, I, I love it. But, you know, come, uh, you know, have fun, enjoy. Um, yeah. I mean, maybe you'll maybe you maybe I'll make a burger for you. I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> the other one was number forty, which was just the Rockies. Yeah. Which I mean, it, it's always great to get up into the Rocky Mountains, um, but that kind of seems to me like a little bit of the opposite, where they were definitely not specific enough, yeah. right? That the, the Rockies are a big area. Maybe you could have narrowed that down to a little bit uh, smaller place to go visit. You know, maybe Rocky Mountain National Park or I don't know. But yeah, well, maybe there's a program where they just shove you off the plane while you're <laughs> flying over the Rockies, and you get that you know number forty kind of experience. That's know? right. Um, yeah, you land and, and Bear Grylls is there. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, you get to hang out in the woods for a while. And, and he says, exactly. "Hey, I'm going to duck out." There's a Ritz Carlton down the street. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, as long as you're near Aspen, you're fine. Yeah. Um, yeah. There were also some other interesting places on the list, and by interesting, I sort of mean odd. Um, at number five was Birmingham, Alabama, and 
while I think Birmingham is probably fine, I don't know that I've ever been there. Number five on the list of places to travel? Um, I, I don't know. Hey, don't knock it before you've done it. That's that's true. Yeah. Also, uh, number seven, Buffalo, New York. Brr. <laughs> uh, yes, travel there in the spring or fall, maybe not summer or winter. Um, but yeah. I guess, you know, it, it's close to Niagara Falls. That's something to do. And yeah. I don't know, maybe Buffalo is better than I realized. Who knows? It, well, apparently it's better than Lower Highlands. <laughs> <It's>, yes, <laughs> it, it is six places better than Lower Highlands. So go to Buffalo before you come here to Denver. Yeah. Anyway. All right. All right. So next up on the list is a champion crowned in the 2021 Tech Madness competition. Yeah. And, so if, uh, for those of you that have been following the podcast, we've been talking about this for the last few weeks. Uh, the the Colorado Inno Tech Madness bracket is something that happens along with March Madness every year, you know, kind of a play on March Madness. So they, they set up a bracket and do uh, put startups in uh, into the bracket. And then there's a voting process for people to go and vote for which company they think uh, is would be better to invest in. Um, and as last week, we talked about the semifinals, uh, which got Stackhawk and Pi Insurance into the finals. And so now... We get to reveal the winner of the Colorado Inno Tech Madness bracket. And the winner is? The winner is Pi Insurance. So I'm a, I'm a little sad about that because our uh, our friends at Stackhawk didn't win. But, I mean, congrats to them for uh, for coming in second. And, of course, uh, you know, Stackhawk, when we talk about them on the show, we have to do a <laughs> wow, so, you did not give me that heads up. I'm sorry. I, I apologize, uh, Jay, but uh, you know, since we are talking about them, we have to give them their their proper due. All right. Uh, so, congratulations to both Stackhawk and Pie Insurance, um, and uh, maybe Stackhawk can uh, bring home the title next year. All right. Uh, next, uh, we have an article talking about um, election security in Colorado, um, which is always a, I think, a good thing to talk about because I think we're you know, one of the leaders in that area. Um, this is actually a an article from a publication called CS Indie, which is an independent publication out of Colorado Springs. I think the first time we've had a story from them. And uh, there was a forum in Colorado Springs uh, that was attended by Jenna Griswold, who is the Secretary of State, uh, Sarah Johnson, who is the clerk for Colorado uh, Springs, and uh, Manny Gullickson, who's a project manager with National Cybersecurity Center, because uh, NCC does a lot of work with election security. And they were talking through uh, Colorado's election process and how secure it is and the way that they do things. Um, again, just highlighting uh, how we are a leader in election security. That's awesome. I, it's, it's glad that they're doing, I'm glad they're doing this. They probably need to continue to. Uh, yeah. Because, you know, our votes can't be safe enough. Exactly. Uh, I mean, it is is probably the thing, one of the things that we need to secure the most, right? That's right. Um, yeah. And I, I know that they're doing great stuff and uh, hopefully they continue to do that and uh, continue to make sure that those uh, those elections are, are safe. Well, speaking of National Cybersecurity Center, um, they recently launched a nationwide cybersecurity initiative uh, with Google. Uh, that was also announced. Yeah. Um, so yeah, this is a, a new announcement from uh, NCC and this is a pretty cool program that they announced. Um, you know, some of the stuff that the NCC does, um, I don't know, it's a, it's a little, I'll call it interesting in, in my opinion. And that may, that may, is interesting maybe is always a word you use for things that you don't want to use other words for. Right, exactly. Yeah. Um, but this one is actually really cool. And so uh, they started a program, uh, as you mentioned, with Google, where they are, they're going to be educating legislators. Mm -hmm. Um, and lawmakers around cybersecurity issues. So uh, there are a couple people that have signed the charter for this, uh, including Frank LaRose, who is the Secretary of State for Ohio, and of course, our own Jenna Griswold, the Secretary of State for Ohio, or excuse me, for Colorado. Um, <laughs> Ohio, oops. Ohio, Ohio. <laughs> you know, uh, mental slip there. Um, and, uh, you know, they're going to be putting this program together to help educate. Uh, the folks that are making laws in, in state and other places um, so that they know what cybersecurity is and then hopefully they can make good laws around that. Seems like a really good idea. Uh, I, more knowledge, better. We, we need this. Training and awareness is always high value. Um, so go NCC here. Uh, yeah, uh, uh, I, I think this seems like a, a really good program. Seems and very, very interesting. 
it, <laughs> it, it is very, very interesting, Jay. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and hopefully that will be very, very interesting in a good way. Yeah. All right. Uh, next, uh, into our uh, solid security stories here. Um, we teased this a couple weeks ago, but Red Canary has released their 2021 threat detection report. And so they've uh, put out a blog post talking about that, of course, with a link to the report itself. Um, one of the things I like about this article is that, uh, you know, they have uh, several videos and webinars that are kind of embedded in the article. So if you want to learn about different pieces of the report without reading the full report, you can uh, check out some of those, uh, those videos. Um, also, you know, as part of this report, the report, they break things down into the, the top 10 threats and the MITRE attack techniques that go along with those threats. So, you know, based on them, it's very easy for you to pick out the things that you need to make sure you're detecting based on the threats that they're seeing. Yeah, MITRE's good. MITRE is good. Um, yeah, they're also talking about ways to detect this, the tools that you need, um, you know, making sure you have the right data sources, all that kind of stuff. So uh, definitely check out the, uh, the threat detection report from Red Canary. And uh, it's 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 definitely worth a link. It's probably worth typing your email in and actually getting the report. Yes, it, it is a um, you have to give up some personal information to get the report. Um, but you know maybe if you jump on the Slack channel and uh, and ping one one of the Red Canary guys because you don't want to give them their your email address, maybe they'll give it to you anyway. Yeah. All right. Next. Next up is Optive Security. Uh, they launched an enterprise lab focused on IoT. Uh, so, yeah, so uh, so good stuff there. Um, obviously, Optive, uh, big Colorado company. The, and I think we also know that um, that IoT. In this case, they're talking about enterprise IoT, which I think is probably different than um, regular IoT and an industrial IoT and every other IoT that's out there. Because, um, <laughs> um, you know, we need to differentiate. Um, but they, uh, they've launched this lab in conjunction with uh, Tenable and Palo Alto Networks and I think Gigamon uh, to be able to uh, show how it is that you need to secure um, enterprise IoT as well as uh, Super detect. valuable. I mean, yeah. depends on the industry you're in, but IoT is probably one of those just gaping wide uh, security holes if if you haven't paid any attention to it in your enterprise, definitely. Yeah, I think um, you know most IoT devices we know are were not built with security in mind. Yep. Um, so making sure you understand the the way that they work and the things that you need to do different from your normal enterprise security priorities uh, to be able to secure them is super important. And yeah, I mean it's like those smart TVs that aren't really that smart, right? Right. Well, I mean, I, you know, they, they are, they're smart at taking your information and, and smart at being uh, vulnerable in your network, but... Uh. That's right. We actually, I found a smart TV on, on, uh, on our network once, and uh, it was so smart that it was, you know, broadcasting out to the internet uh, that, hey, if you come here, you can gain access uh, yeah. to me. And you don't really need any credentials or anything. You just come in and... It's, it's like a free pass, right? Yeah, you know, it's ease of use, right? We right. want to make things easy That's for right. all our, our consumers, right? User experience. Yeah, yeah got to have a good user experience. Um, and I'm by that, I mean vulnerable and yep. easy to uh, to jump off from. That's right. That's right. Uh, so, uh, cool initiative by Optive. Yeah. Glad that they're starting that and uh, definitely an area that, that needs a lot of work. Uh, next, there is a blog by Zavilo. Um, not Zvelo. Not Zvelo. Zvelo. And, and not Velo. The Z is not silent. Correct. Uh, we were saying earlier, this sounds like it should be a, a, a drink that you would get up at the uh, the cantina in Star Wars. Or at least a drink you get in Lohai. Well, yeah. Um, yeah. And if you travel to Lohai, you can go to one of the, the wonderful establishments there and ask them for a Zvelo. Good luck with that. <laughs> <laughs> um, so this is an announcement that they put out that they're launching a new product. Um, they, I think if you've listened to the show before, we've talked about how the fact that they, they're sort of a white label kind of behind the scenes company, not necessarily uh, to end consumers, but they're now launching a, a service for cybersecurity professionals to help with malware analysis, threat hunting, and uh, looking at sort of brand vulnerability assessment. So that's pretty cool. Yeah, very exciting. Gonna expand that intelligence out to broader, broader set. I, I don't know who they, uh, who they power, um, I don't think Alex does either. No. But 
you know, if they're if they're doing well enough to to expand into this kind of side of, they must be selling their intelligence to some to some players that matter. So right. We probably are already using Zvello or or drinking the drink. <laughs> yes, you're already drinking their Kool Aid somewhere. That's right. Uh, maybe just not directly. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I think it is cool, and this is a especially sort of the the brand and external threat hunting stuff is a is an area that's really expanding anyway. Um, you know, whether it's uh, the attack surface management category or other things like that, there's a lot of products that are coming out like that. So good to see that they uh, they saw that and, and took the initiative to to put a product out there for that. Yep. All right, and then our last story today uh, is from Webroot, and this is talking about why managed security service provider, excuse me, managed service providers need to shift from cybersecurity to cyber resilience. Um, and Jay, what the heck is cyber resilience? Well, I mean, I guess with a word like resilience, it might mean that something is able to withstand something. Yeah. If I got that right. I, I think that that's right. That's right. Yeah, so, you know. I don't know it, anything about that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think we all know that, it, you know, for a long time it was uh, security thinking like, hey, we got to stop everything. we got to, uh, you know, make sure we can do everything to prevent, right? And then the resilience part, more thinking, yeah, you want to prevent, but something bad's going to happen sometime. So you have to be resilient when that happens. Yeah. I mean, sometimes words matter. And I think in this case, cyber resilience really describes that from a security perspective, it's not just about documenting how something does come back to life, but actually how it does come back to life. Yeah. Um, and we need to take that kind of reactive stance more and more. Yeah, I think it's interesting in that, you know, this the resilience term has been used more and more often. Yeah. Um, and I wonder if if our industry would be different if we had started out as the cyber resilience industry instead of the cybersecurity industry, right? With security, I think, you know, we sort of always set ourselves up to fail, does right? That, does it mean you have to wear a black T-shirt where it says resilience on the back instead of security on the back? Yes, it does. Oh, I don't know. I mean, I know that's not quite as cool. No, definitely not. Um, but, you know, I, I think that the that's always been an issue for, for security, right? It's like, well, your job is to secure things, but you're always failing, Yeah. right? Yeah. Well, if your job is to be resilient, uh, it's much easier to have resiliency to be able to recover from things than it is to, to have perfect 100% security. Yeah, easier metrics to go after too. Yeah, uh, maybe we'll see a continued shift in that direction. Yeah. So, all right. Uh, that is the, the news. With that, let's jump over to the Slack message of the week. Uh, thanks again to Andre Gaeta for sponsoring the Slack message of the week. He has been doing this since the beginning of the podcast uh, out of his own pocket. And every week we pick one winner and they get to pick one item from the Colorado Equals Security Store. Con uh, compliments of Andre. And this week's winner is Bradley Crow. Congratulations, Bradley. Uh, he is a new member of the Slack workspace, or new-ish. And uh, in, in one of the channels, the Boulder Lunch channel, um, he, uh, Doug Brush mentioned the fact that, um, you know, people should ask him to stop his rant if, uh, you know, I, I don't remember the exact context, but basically then Bradley said, I didn't think that we were able to stop your rants because Doug Brush just kind of rants all the time. And I, I thought that was pretty funny. And so I thought that was worth a, uh, a mention for Bradley. So congrats, Bradley, on, mm -hmm. on being new and poking fun at people right at the beginning. Hey. Um, I also Skills. wanted, yeah, I also wanted to, to point out that um, for those of you that are uh, willing to see people in person these days on the Slack workspace, there are there's a Boulder lunch, there's a downtown Denver lunch, and there's a tech center lunch channel. So if you're interested in getting together with people, check those out. Um, maybe you can have lunch with someone in person. In Lohi, I think. You, you, you could. Uh, that's not really downtown, but it eh, is number enough. 13 on the travel list. <laughs> uh, I think we should organize a lunch in Lohi as a, as a travel experience so that we can all travel there. Yeah. All right. Uh, congratulations again to Bradley. Uh, we'll get you a, a link out and connect you up with, uh, with Andre so you can get your swag. All right, uh, let's go over to events. Again, we have an event calendar on the website, colorado-security.com. Check that out for all of the upcoming events. On the podcast, we like to highlight the next two weeks of things that are happening, um, so, but there are many more events that are on the website, so, so go look at that. Uh, first, we have uh, ISSA Colorado Springs is having their April chapter meeting on 
uh, April 6th. And April 10th, uh, Colorado Springs is having a mini seminar. On the 13th, CTA is doing a webinar on the Colorado Privacy Act, which should be interesting. And on the 14th of April, ISSA Denver is having a chapter meeting. And then finally, on April 15th, which also happens to be my birthday, ASIS is doing a Women in Security coffee chat with Katie Jump. Uh, so you should jump into that and have coffee with Katie. All right, uh, those are all the events in the next two weeks, but again, check out the website for, uh, for more events in the future. So final thing, uh, we'll talk about uh, some jobs for this week. We've got a, a couple interesting jobs. First, TrackVIA is looking for a security automation engineer. That sounds exciting. Red Canary is looking for a senior incident handler. Uh, OTS, which is a, a group that I think provides services to credit unions, and I think this one is specifically for work with Belco, is looking for a DevSecOps engineer. Checkpoint's looking for a CISO in the West. Yeah, that's like a, a pre-sales... A client-facing uh, CISO. Client-facing CISO, so yeah. if you're interested in that kind of opportunity, sounds like fun. Uh, Randori is looking for an HOC attacker, uh, so if you want to help build their platform, um, which does attacks, then that mm -hmm. sounds cool. Oracle is looking for a senior assurance engineer. Ooh. Spectrum is looking for a security engineer one, and I think that they actually had multiple jobs this week, so lots of stuff going on at Spectrum. Uh, Brownstein Hyatt Farber Shrek is looking for an information security analyst. And that, of course, is a law firm because only law firms or CPA firms have names like that. No, isn't that a startup? Yeah. <laughs> Would that be interesting if people did, did that for startups? Like, don't come up with a name. Just, like, put all the founders' names. That's at, right, just as, four names back-to-back. -back. I, I think that they should start doing that. Yeah, it would be better than coming up with something that's like, starts with Psy, like Psy blah, 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 you know, whatever. We could start a trend here. We should. Yeah. Uh, Colorado Judicial Branch is looking for a network security engineer. And uh, Conga is looking for a lead information security analyst. Awesome. And those are the jobs for that this week. And that wraps up the newscast. Uh, we do have an interview for this week. Uh, our interview this week is with Melissa Cooper and John Rosendahl of Sovereign. Uh, so this interview was done by Janelle Shaw, um, talking a little bit about privacy and, and things that are happening over there at uh, Sovereign. So I'm pretty excited to, to hear about that. Uh, Jay? You? Yeah. No. This no. has been fun. It's been great. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm really excited about the check you're going to write me later. That's right. Yeah. Um, uh, I'm going to have to go find my checkbook, I guess. <laughs> um, but again, this has been fun. I appreciate yeah. you filling in for Rob. Um, Rob should be back next week, and uh, we'll be getting back to normal. So, cool. Awesome. Uh, thanks, everybody, and uh, we will talk to you next week. This is Robert Wood, VP of Security at Alps Fund Services. This is Colorado Equals Security. For Colorado Security Professionals by Colorado Security Professionals. Welcome to Colorado Equals Security. This is Janelle Shaw. And today I'm excited to interview Melissa Cooper and John Rosendahl. I hope you guys enjoy our conversation. Welcome to the podcast, guys. So how are you guys doing today? Good. Melissa, yeah, we'll start with you, Melissa. Yeah, things are great, waiting for the snowpocalypse to hit. <laughs> exactly. We are the weekend before what's supposed to be the largest snowstorm in, I don't know how long they're saying, but every time I look at the news, it's more and more, right? Right. Yeah. So, Melissa, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Oh, absolutely. So, um, I've been here in Colorado since 2001 and have been working in the privacy and security space for um, roughly six years, a bit longer in security alone, but certainly focusing on the, those two concepts um, for several years now. Um, as it relates to privacy timelines, we are still a fairly young um, career path, I guess you could say, because it has been embedded in with security concepts for so long, and really um, came into this space up through security. So folks listening to this um, podcast are well aware that privacy is definitely embedded into security 
processes and programs and um, separating the two um, practices apart um, doesn't segregate the two. It, it just means that the two get a slightly different focus. So. Yeah, I like how you said that. And I do think that each one deserves its own person in the organization and its own focus. So I like how you said that. And John, what about you? I, I grew up in Colorado. I've, I've been here for a long time. Um, I just got into ad tech about four years ago. And from timing wise, that's been super interesting because that's exactly when all of this privacy and identity stuff really came to the forefront. And I saw it as something I needed to pay attention to. And, and so I have been. That's cool. So have you been in security kind of in this technical role for a long time? I'm primarily a, a, an engineer. Um, however, I did do a lot of security consulting in earlier in my career uh, through the Bioterrorism Defense Act doing cyber assessments. Oh, okay, great. Um, so tell us a little bit about Sovereign. You guys both work for Sovereign. What, what is that company? Where are they located? And, and you mentioned ad tech, so they're in the ad tech space, but exactly what do they do? Sure, I can jump in with that. I'm also new to the ad tech Space. Um, I leaned into this position specifically to learn. And um, what I appreciate about Sovereign is um, its mission to help publishers do more of what they love and less of what they don't. Um, it was really important to me to um, jump in with an organization um, that supported the concept of a free and open internet. Uh, that, that's that's really why we're here in the digital advertising space. Uh, and Sovereign specifically is headquartered out of Boulder. Um, I like that it's a local homegrown company, but we also have offices in New York, London, and San Francisco. And we're, we're quite a mature um, organization. We were founded in 2006, although it's still run like a startup, which makes it super fun. Um, and I'm curious to hear what John's um, perspective is on that because I am just at a year in at Sovereign, so still new. I've never worked in person in the office, still waiting for that first day of work, so to speak. Yeah, I mean, that's that's one of the great things about ad tech is every six months you're in a completely different industry. Um, so Sovereign has to move fast, and, and we do, and it's with a good culture. Yeah, and it's funny, Melissa. So I actually interviewed somebody at Sovereign a couple of years ago. So I guess I beat you to having been in your offices. <laughs> exactly. You sure have, for uh, sure. Yeah, it's a beautiful facility. Um, yeah, so when you get to go back, I will be very excited for you. So, and I like how you said free and open internet. And I think that that's kind of something I really want to dive in today. And one of the reasons I was excited to interview you guys um, so what does free and open internet mean? And we'll start, John, what does that mean for you and for Sovereign? So the, the majority of the internet is controlled by a few big players. Um, that's Facebook, that's Google, that's Amazon. But the majority of the content and the majority of the value that people get out of it actually comes from all these small publishers who are really talking about either their passion or something they're really interested in or putting out a podcast um, and it's that it's those people and how they're actually managing to make a career and a life out of creating that content that we're most concerned about because uh, you don't really make any money making Facebook Facebook posts, um, and you can't turn that that like hobby or that passion into like a real business without a lot of agreement from a free and open internet where everyone can participate. Yeah, I like that. And how about for you, Melissa? Yeah, likewise, I would echo what what John said, um, I, what I find most interesting about some of the conversations that's happening in the ad tech space today and around um, digital advertising and, and targeting through behavioral advertising is kind of this sense that, um, that we're, we're diving into people's lives in an invasive kind of way. Um, but I guess I'd, I like to point out that we make inferences about people all the time, right? You, you, you walk down the street and you make assumptions about a person. Um, that is similar 
to what's happening in the digital advertising space. And it is a free and open community. And if it weren't, we have to consider the folks who wouldn't be able to participate in that community. And so you know, diversity is another topic that's top of mind for a lot of folks um, in society today. And if we don't have a free and open internet, then we don't have a diverse community online as well. Yeah, no, I completely agree. And I think that, uh, you know, and even for myself, right, I'm in the privacy space. This is, this is what I do. I live and breathe um, protecting people's privacy. But then when I put on my hat as a small business owner, right, like I have to do marketing. <laughs> I have to reach an audience, right? So how do I do that um, to, in a privacy preserving way while still meeting my business objectives? Um, so yeah, I think, and the, the piece about diversity, Melissa, I completely agree with you. My biggest concern as well is that we're going to create paywalls and that people are going to have to pay and that there's going to be people who have access to content and people who don't have access to content. Um, absolutely. Okay. Um, so there's a lot of acronyms um, and some terminology that I think people may not be familiar with. And so I kind of, you know, I look at this as, you know, like a little bit of bingo. Um, so I'm gonna throw out just a couple um, terms for the audience that they may or may not be familiar with. Um, and the first couple of them are DAA and ad choice and the IAB and the NAI. So Melissa, if you want to tell us what those are, I'd really appreciate it. Yes, of course. So well before uh, the GDPR and CCPA came into our lives, uh, the FTC had taken a position where um, they really wanted to make sure that consumer choice around targeted advertising and ability to track movements around the internet um, were put squarely into the individual's hands. And so as a result, several in the digital advertising space, several folks within the digital advertising space came together to create self-regulatory bodies. So what you're um, finding in doing your research in digital advertising are organizations like the Digital Advertising Alliance, which is DAA. Um, they host a, a platform called Ad Choices and any consumer can go uh, to their web choices or to their website at adchoices.com and choose to opt out of targeted advertising. And then you have companies such as Sovereign who participate um, with these organizations and that uphold what I, what I call internally good advertising um, principles. And essentially what that does is it allows a cookie to be dropped on your browser that says, hey, I do not want to be tracked. Um, I do not want to be served targeted advertising and then only contextual advertising is served. So it's, it's a way to really put that control back into the consumer's hands on where they do and don't want their information to be tracked as it relates to behavioral advertising. IAB is um, another organization that has been crucial to uh, upholding these good advertising practices and their tech lab um, is the organization that brought folks within digital advertising together to come up with a technical specification for sending consent signals. So when you think about um, the CCPA, there's a US privacy consent string. When you think about the GDPR, there's the um, TCF, um, which is a framework that supports tracking and, and sending consent back to companies such as Sovereign so that we can understand what the wishes of the individual were without each publisher having to communicate that directly to us. Um, so that alphabet soup serves a great purpose for um, allowing us to demonstrate that we are upholding these good advertising practices and we do care about everyone that's in the advertising ecosystem, not just um, the advertisers or brands. Yeah, and if I can ask a question about ad choices. So I am familiar with them, but I don't necessarily know how they work. Um, mm -hmm. And I know that when I have run I've done the app where I've like got rid of my cookies. 
it says that there's about 140 or 150 websites that I can opt out of automatically. Um, but I know that there's like thousands of websites. So do companies opt into being part of AdChoice or how does that work? Yes, it is a self-regulatory um, participation. And so it, the FTC, while they have um, put quite a bit of pressure on the industry to allow for consumer control, it's not required to participate. So that's what you're seeing whenever you visit the website and see that disparity between the numbers of participating companies and those that um, you're aware are, are out on the World Wide Web. So like I saw like Google's on there, Facebook's on there, and Sovereign, like you mentioned, is on there. So if I do, if I opt out and Sovereign drops a cookie, does that mean all the publishers that you guys host, if I go to their website, they understand my choices or is, I mean, like, how does the publisher play into the, that, that cookie that gets dropped? So John, maybe we'll pass that to you. Yeah. So um, yeah, a lot of publishers use the same suppliers. Um, that's Sovereign's role is to aggregate all the publishers in order to serve ads on those publishers. So it's Sovereign's responsibility to actually respect your choices with, with regards to tracking. Um, so when the publisher sends the request and we sense that it's supposed to be data free, we then drop that data before we send it on to our partners. Okay. Um, so if it, so like for some, some publishers have, or some people have sites or they're publishing all over the internet. So even though you may respect the do not track, if they're publishing somewhere else, they may not. And that's why I might still see their ad. Is that kind of what you're saying? Well, I mean, ads can be served uh, in contextual form. Like, so you're on it, the yoga journal, you might see a yoga related ad. Um, we don't have to know very much about you to know that that's a good idea. Um, so it, it's just the, the act of actually tracking that user and creating a profile of that user that the ad choices opt out uh, creates. Okay. And then, um, I don't know, do, do you, can we talk about like super cookies and then ever cookies? Is that something that you guys are comfortable talking about? Um, I, we, we can say that, I mean, super cookies are, are a marketing term. Um, okay. what, what it comes down to is there are third-party cookies. Um, uh, first of all, a cookie. A cookie is just a small piece of information that a website can place into the browser and it allows that website to know who someone is and what they've been doing. You know, it's, it's a little bit of tracking and a third party cookie. We use cookies for everything. We use it for authentication. We use it to, you know, show different widgets on a screen, all sorts of things like that. A third party cookie is a cookie that comes from a website that is other than the website that's in the address bar. So if you go to newyorktimes.com and it pulls a sovereign ad, which it wouldn't, but nonetheless, uh, it pulls a sovereign ad. Uh, <clears throat> we would place a cookie on that site on the New York Times and under, be able to understand who that user was. Um, however, uh, that's the functionality is being removed from the internet right now. Um, at the end of the year, we're going to no longer have third-party cookies, and that is going to make tracking users different. Um, and in ways it could make it better because it's going to force ad tech to become more transparent and more accountable. And hopefully we'll be able to put in place technologies that will get us similar results. So are you, are you alluding to what I understand to be the federated learning of cohorts, the SLOC that's coming out or, or is it something different that you're alluding to? Well, I, I'm alluding to the third part, third party cookies are used for a lot of different things within ad tech. They're used for, creating user profiles. They're also used for frequency capping, making sure you don't see too many ads. Um, they're used to measure the performance of a particular ad, see what you did after you saw it. Um, Flock is an interesting proposal that involves interest groups. So instead of a third party collecting you, well, data on you and watching everywhere that you go and aggregating all that data, they aggregate that data in the browser and then store the, and then send out the results of that aggregation as uh, a signal that buyers can act on in order to determine that this is someone that they would like to show an ad to. And so is that by like having categories for people so that everybody has like um, tags associated to them? Kind of like we see in, you know, like I have a Google account right now. 
Um, and when I go in there, I can see, and I forget what they call it, categories or something. Yeah, um, it, that, it, is the, it is the same approach. It just moves kind of the fulcrum of that from Google or any other person that's creating those profiles to the browser. And that means you have a little bit more control over the creation of those segments and who, and who they get sent to. Okay. And then you said super cookies is just like a marketing term. Um, so can you, and I, and I hate to, to kind of push into that, but that's one of those things that people ask me a lot about. And I honestly, like, I, I just understand that it's a persistent cookie that's difficult to get rid of. And that's as much as I can say about super cookies or like ever cookies. Yeah. I mean, cookies clear when, when you clear your browser. Um, so that's, there's the cookies can have, can last as long as you want. Um, I think that was more of a problem in the past when things were a little bit less advanced on the browser framework, for, on the browser standpoint. But I think generally those practices have more or less ended. Okay. No one cares about the individual. They care about the inferences they're able to make. So when they take this group, they say, okay, we all, all they're using this data is to say, oh, this is a person that likes, uh, these four different things. And they say, okay, so that would be a great person for uh, Ford, Ford Motor to advertise to. Just like you see, you know, just like this, we, you make the same kind of suppositions all the time where you're gonna see a different set of ads in Forbes that you're gonna see in uh, 16 Magazine. Um, so it's, it's a way to keep ads relevant to the user they're not, they're not really interested in what you're doing. They're interested in the results of the model that they're creating. That just tells them a little bit about what you might be interested in. Yeah, and I have to say, my husband is in love with um, personalized ads. He does not want to see an ad for something he does not want. So he is your target audience. <laughs> On the other side of the spectrum, you have me, right? So I would like to see ads that you would place in Ebony and in 16 Magazine and maybe Bride because I think the dresses are pretty, right? And so, yeah, you have this spectrum of people. Um, and in my house, this is a conversation we have, unfortunately, frequently. <laughs> um, but so, so how, so that's how third-party cookies work today. So what does that look like? Um, kind of what does the future look like, Don? What do you see that as? Um, and I think that there's something that, like, as far as, um, like, encrypted tokens and what, how we can use that to understand how people want to be tracked. I don't know if you want to talk about that a little bit. Yeah. So one, one of the options, I mean, we're, the advertech industry is really moving towards transparency and consent. And so one of the options is to just ask users, hey, would you like to be tracked? Um, if you'd like to be tracked, please log into our website and that will allow us to create a user profile for you and you'll get personalized ads. You won't see the same ad over and over again. And honestly, you'll be helping that site make a little bit more money. Um, and that might be the difference between content you love being available and content you love not being available or being behind a paywall. Um, so in, in those cases, what they can do is they can generate a, UID, a user ID that is good across the entire internet once you log in. So every site that you log into understands that the same person is tracking against across all of those sites and they can build a profile based upon that and get all of the original uh, value we were getting from the third party cookie, but in a way that's super consented, you actively had to log in and approve your, the use of your data in that specific way. And so, um, and, and if I can ask another question, so you talked about it creating a unique ID. My understanding was that we kind of already have unique IDs um, that the data aggregators are able to consolidate information upon. So how is this gonna be different? Um, well, I mean, the third party cookie is essentially a unique ID for each person that browses, but you, unless you actually said okay to the cookie, cookie module each time, you haven't clearly and transparently consented to the use of your data. And, and that's really what we're changing. We're, we're proving that that particular user is consented to using her data in that particular way. Got it. So you're really going after, so this would be from a GD, or from the e-privacy regulation, uh, the cookie directive in Europe, this actually would be compliant with that new regulation is what I'm hearing. And maybe compliant is a strong word, but you're, that's kind of the goal, right? Like you're, you're looking towards having that true transparency and consent that is being required for all these cookie banners that we're seeing. 
Right. I mean, it. I would disagree with you slightly because cookies are also um, able to be compliant under the e-privacy directive. Uh, it's really like John was saying about that transparency and consent. And we already have mechanis mechanisms in place in order to be able to, to gather that consent. What John was referring to around the encrypted tokens around consent is making sure that that consent is preserved across different environments, right? And so um, just to kind of bring it home to Sovereign's operations today, one, if any publisher um, on our ad exchange sends us a consent signal from an EU reader, for example, that says, yes, we, we have consent to be able to use the data for targeted advertising, for building profiles, for creating audience segments, all the things that we do to support digital advertising uh, for advertisers and for publishers, um, then we can take that consent signal and process it accordingly. Now, we will also take that consent signal and forward that on to our third party partners. And by having the encrypted um, consent token in place, and you can ensure that um, similar to a chain of custody, right? And John, jump in here if I go off the rails at all, because that's why you're here. It's to, it's to set me straight from the technical perspective, because I am just the privacy compliance person at the end of the day. Um, but essentially, it's as he was saying, making sure that everyone in the supply chain, anyone who gets a hold of that consent signal is aware of what the individual wishes were of that reader who offered the consent to begin with. Um, the authentication piece that he referred to where you actually sign in and then you know that that person is exactly who they say they are is important and it's nuanced in this space. And I don't think a lot of um, folks understand this because you know, you, it, I'll use my own household as an example. We have a family iPad. Anyone can be holding that device at any given time, browsing around under the same profile, if you will, of that iPad, because we don't have it set up for each individual in the household. So you might have my youngest daughter all the way to, um, you know, if I have visitors in the home using this particular device. So if someone clicks consent, on that device, then it's tied essentially to the device that the person was holding. So when we talk about targeted advertising and individuals and understanding who individuals are, we really don't know who the people individually are because we don't collect personally identifiable information or PII. We only collect indirect identifiers, which are things like mobile advertising IDs, which is what would be tied to that iPad. It's an iOS device, so it's an IDFA that is tied, and that is how the consent is gathered and tied back to what's an individual, which in this case could be many people. Um, so the, the authenticated consent would require an individual to log in. So then you know whether it's someone who's under the age of 13, over the age of 13, um, and whether they're using um, their own profile or an actual device. So that's kind of the difference there. So, you know, the e-privacy directive and trying to be compliant to that um, has everything to do with transparency and consent, whereas, where the digital advertising space is going is really trying to make sure the individual has offered that consent and not just someone who randomly picked up a device. No, thank you, Melissa. I think that's really a good um, delineation between those two. And I think, you know, kind of talking about it from a personal data perspective, um, you know, if it sounds like what the ad industry is trying to do is create individual profiles for each person so that their consent can be managed better, right? Is that what I'm hearing you say? Um, I don't know that individual to each person is completely accurate because again, I don't know that it's Janelle that's looking at wedding dresses, right? I just know that there is someone who seems a lot like Janelle, um, appreciates 
the beauty of wedding dresses and and may benefit from serving and and add to you. Um, so the individual part, and this is kind of I'm stumbling a little bit here because this is where you know deprecation of third party cookies is supposed to be the benefit of the individual. Yet we're moving towards this space where you actually have to use personally identifiable information right. to say you are who you say you are when we don't to John's earlier point we don't really care that it's Janelle we just want to make sure that the right advertisement is getting in front of the right person again because at the end of the day we're here to maintain this free and open internet and unless you go and purchase that wedding dress which it sounded to me from earlier conversation, you're already married. I don't know if you have daughters or not, or Probably other folks in your life, <laughs> right? Time soon, correct. <laughs> exactly. And so, you know, as much as you might appreciate seeing an ad because you appreciate the beauty of a wedding dress, it doesn't do that brand any good to show you that ad if it's not going to turn into money changing hands in some way, shape or form. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. And I, and I, and I, I think that's funny. And I think that's kind of, you know, and, and unfortunately we are out of time and I have so many more questions. You have no idea. And I'm sure our audience has more too. Uh, but I think this is kind of where I, I'd like to end it is the fact that, you know, it's such a complicated conversation. Um, and, you know, I'm so grateful that we have privacy experts and security experts who are working on this in, in like our own, our own backyard in Boulder. Um, and I think that it is, is going to be really interesting how we use that personal information and how, like, do we need more personal information so that we can be less intrusive, you know, so it's kind of like this dance that we do with this data, um, but transparency, I think is going to be excellent for everyone. So. Agreed. I couldn't agree more. Yeah. And so I usually like to end by just talking about giving back to the community. Um, and so I know Sovereign has at least one program. Melissa, do you want to talk about the, how Sovereign and how you give back to the community? And then, um, John, you can always jump in as well. Certainly. So we have a couple of things that we do um, from a corporate perspective. Um, what you're alluding to is the, the particular area that I individually contribute is Sovereign does maintain a route through the Boulder chapter of Mills on Wills. So I have an opportunity to get back out in the community and, and help some folks who need an extra helping hand. And the rest of the, the Sovereign drivers are um, super proud to contribute to that organization. Um, but I do want to also give credit where credit is due on Sovereign um, as part of the holiday season puts together a drive where we help out a couple of different organizations in the community as well. Um, and I know I, I'm new to Sovereign, so maybe John, you can add some color here, but um, last December we contributed to the um, EFAA, so Emergency Family Assistance, I forget what the last A stands for, and also the, the Boulder Humane Society. Yeah, that, that, that's something we've done every year for, for a while, and it's been really nice. It feels good. We yeah. have those folks come in and, and speak to our group. Um, and part of the Meals on Wheels effort, um, the, the Sovereign Volunteers got together and, and hosted an internal drive with Sovereign where we wanted to contribute to their patio brick campaign, which we, we only needed to hit a $500 donation amount in order to um, purchase a brick to support the, the new facility and funding the new facility. And we exceeded that triple fold. So, and quite proud of our sovereign community and the way we contribute back. That's awesome. And then Melissa, I can't not ask you about the fact that you worked at Ping Identity um, right. and you worked with our own Rob Reck. Um, so I don't know if you wanna give a shout out to him um, as we wrap up the interview. Oh yeah, for sure. Um, it was great working under Rob. Um, having had the experience of C 
seeing the different um, approaches various CISOs take in running their organizations, he was just um, instrumental in coming into Ping. We started roughly the same time. We were months apart from each other. He was there before I was, um, of course, but he built the security program essentially ground up. And it was just really cool to watch the way that he pulled folks into Ping and built out this program and um, it's thriving today. So yeah, it was a great experience to get to work under his leadership. That's awesome. Well, um, as we wrap up, uh, unfortunately, I think we are out of time. So thank you so much. Um, so Melissa and John, it has been truly a pleasure talking and thank you for being so open about what Sovereign does and the challenges that we see um, and the advancements um, and how we protect people's, people in, protect people's information in the ad industry. So um, as we wrap up, I don't know if you wanna just give the audience a last goodbye and then we'll close it. Sure, thanks for the opportunity. Uh, happy to be here and um, I can be found on LinkedIn, of course. So if anyone wants to continue the conversation, I encourage you to reach out and happy to chat anytime. Yeah, thank you so much for having us. I really appreciate it. Um, I can be reached on LinkedIn as well. Awesome. Well, thank you guys. This is the end of our interview. Until next time, thanks everyone for listening. Bye-bye. Learn more about the Colorado security scene at colorado-security.com, where you can see information about local security groups, a calendar of upcoming security events, and learn more about Colorado equals security. Reach out to Alex and Rob by emailing info at colorado-security.com. Until next time, remember, Colorado equals security.